Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for, yes, another week, two in a row. I think that's some sort of record of late. My name's Reg Roberts, Rugby Reg, and we are continuing our retrospective look at classic Wallaby tests. Uh, joining me once again are uh, a couple of other classic Wallaby fans. Uh, Matt Rowley, how are you, Matt? Yeah, good, mate. I've very much got the uh, the classic age group going on these days. <laughs> <laughs> and Hugh Cavill, uh, just as classic, just not the age group. Yeah. That's that's right. Yeah, it's um, oh, no, good to watch another great game. I've got to say, I'm enjoying these immensely. Um, going back and watching them because it's just, I don't know, it's such high quality football. It's it's just great to watch. It yeah. is. So as we talked about last week, and you'll probably see it in the title, we are doing game two of uh, the Bledisloe Cup in the year 2000. So this was the uh, this was the match at Wellington on the 5th of August 2000, uh, just uh, as a follow on for the one we did last week. Um, we have a good, great guest on the show tonight, Fletcher Dyson, who was tight head prop. In that game, um, his one season with the Wallabies, he he debuted in the first game versus Argentina, and his last game was the last versus England at Twickenham. Um, had a you know a good solid Super Rugby career. Had an injury in early two thousand and four to his neck, I think, and it was sort of on the back of Ben Darwin's injury. It was two pretty severe uh, injuries to tight head props, a, a, a real awakening for front rowers there. But he's continues to be very involved in the game. He's a great player. Does a lot of scrummaging, coaching. Um, uh, and uh, is a great personality. But let's delve into this game a little bit, lads. Um, can, I, can I just interrupt Reg for a second? Key, and say, yes. to, to people that are listening that haven't actually watched this game, um, you know, uh, stop the podcast now. Yes. Um, there's, yes. a, there's a YouTube video. If you can go and search on YouTube, I think it's if you type in, you know, Australia, New Zealand, 2000, I think it's, it's uh, in the Tri-Nations, it's called. Um, go and watch the game. This podcast is still going to be here when, when you come back. It might take you a couple of days. But, um, yeah, A, it's because it's worth a watch. But, B, because I think the podcast is probably better listening once you've, once you've seen, the, uh, once you've seen the, um, the game. And also I think I'm told that the link is going to be on the, on the Green Gold Rugby homepage too. So go and look that up, watch the game, and then come back because I think you'll get a real kick out of certainly what Fletcher Dyson says, knowing what's happened in the game and other things. Excellent point here. You're right. So let's let's have a look at sort of the, the, the oh no, I'm just going to say you guys. Can you remember this game at the time where you were? Any specific standouts? I guess before this game, obviously the the match before was significant. Can you remember the follow up, uh, Hugh? I can't really, old, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I I I remember the ending. Obviously, everyone does. Um, I think it was one of those games where I used to used to run home from school sport because you'd. Ah, uh, those yes. days, you'd watch the first play at three fifteen, uh, and that game would generally finish about four thirty, four forty-five, um, and then you had to sort of get home uh, in time for uh, for the kickoff, which was generally around five thirty from memory. Yep. So, yep. Uh, I think I, I, that was probably where what my movements were. But uh, I certainly can't remember a huge amount specifically, other than the two my two memories from that game are the the All Black elaborate backline move, and of course the yep. the ending with John Ells kicking the Kicking the penalty. Excellent. We'll get both of, both of those. What about you, Matt? Any memories of this game? Yeah, the it's it's it, that 
part in history is still a little bit a uh, little bit foggy but i what I, t- I do remember watching it i'm pretty damn sure i was sat with my bait my kiwi mate sam watching that one because i remember that backline move that the all blacks mm. pulled mm. um when they did that kind of double around thing and and you know with the shield and all that sort of stuff and i just remember thinking ah oh, shit um mm. at, at that point and we you know because we'd lost the previous game but I, but funnily enough i I don't remember the uh, Ilsey kick, or, or yeah, like I don't really? remember. Yeah. I don't remember it in the moment. Like it's not yeah. clear, but I mean, it's always there, right? You've just you can. It's like you've grown up with it, like you know, seeing yeah. that Ilsey kick. But um, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. A little bit, little bit foggy still. What about you? Yeah. Did, you did you have your first kid by by now on this one or what? No, not quite, not quite. I was still not quite married. It's a few few months <laughs> away from that, but I do distinctly remember this. So again, obviously, I was living in Sydney, and I was actually with. Uh, it must have been a gathering. I don't know if we'd call it a party, but obviously a bit of excitement from the previous game with Eelsie's sister-in-law. So um, much like John post-game when he was swamped by uh, the Wallabies, <laughs> poor uh, Emma was swamped by a group of us as well as if she had kicked the winning goal. So fantastic <laughs> memories there um, uh, from that one. So let me uh, set the scene first, guys. Again, I won't go into too much detail. Then we'll go to Fletch. So, so since the last game, obviously, which was just um, about three weeks before this, the All Blacks have been in the South Africans um, straight after that test from heaven. They won 25-12 in Christchurch, and the Wallabies had the bye. Then the following week, the Wallabies actually beat the box um, at Stadium Australia 26-6. So Mortlock and his uh, goal-scoring or point-scoring rampage, he missed a few, but he scored, still scored points. He uh, got 21 points that game. But the thing remarkable about that South African test, so at Stadium Australia, 77,000 for a South African test. I mean, you talk about the glory days. You can almost, you know, I know 109,000 is a record, but 77,000 for a, for a Springbok test was incredible. Um, so, so the only other thing I guess worth pulling up is, is Wellington. And I thought, God, you know, this was a famous win in Wellington. We haven't won for so long. But um, it was actually a decent game for us. We, we won there in 98. Um, we, uh, sorry, no, our last win in New Zealand was 98 in Christchurch. But up until this game, we didn't have a bad uh, record in Wellington. Five wins and 17 tests, which doesn't sound great, but that goes back to sort of um, 1913. And, and, you know, none of our Wallaby wins were that great. But in the previous five years, we'd won three times at Wellington. Um, and I don't think we have won since. So it's probably more significance for what's happened after than what happened since so a really interesting sort of setup for this game and, and, and a great outcome. Any win in New Zealand is 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 memorable, but this was made even more so. So to help set the scene for us, um, as we had Herbie last week, we've got Fletcher Dyson this week. Um, different positioning, Fletcher obviously uh, in the real sort of cornerstone of, of the scrum here, uh, playing tight head prop against an amazing front row, a very famous front row of Case Muse, Anton Oliver and Carl Hoft. Um, Fletcher's uh, a, a, a one-year um, sort of, you know, a, a fascinating one-year. We'll talk a bit about that in our interview, but really thrilled to have him on the game. He's a great character himself and, and has a great insight on this game. So, Fletcher Dyson, thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be here, gents. Very nice. Thank you. Um, mate, look, uh, this was uh, a fantastic game and, and a, a great sort of sequel to last week. We had some criticism on the show last week for... Uh, daring to talk about um, the 39-35 all-black win in Sydney, the greatest. We set it up as being a prequel to this outcome. Mate, but before we get into that game, yeah. I often think that you 
um, are almost the Rob Edgerton of the forwards. You had that one <laughs> year in the Wallabies, yeah. as he did in 91, and achieved so much. And, and almost like Stilesy. Stilesy the next year did it with the Lions and the Bledisloe yeah. win as well. But, mate, just talk us through it. You, you, um, a few goes to the Waratahs, come up to the Reds, debut for the Reds in 2000, and then you get the call up uh, to play for the Wallabies in that first test versus Argentina uh, uh, amongst some absolute legends. And that was, in fact, Timmy's last game. Just talk us through that first call up as a Wallaby debutant. Well, I think um, I got a phone call um, from Knuckles to start with, saying that you know that I may be in the mix, and I was I think I was 27 at that stage, and I, I sort of you know had a, a bit of a whirlwind year with the Reds, uh, played yep. every game, starting on uh, every game that year, and uh, look, I you know what, in the cold, sort of going to sleep at night, you sort of every kid's dream was to pull on that national jersey, and you know one of the great coaches and mentors in my time, John Connolly, ringing you up to sort of talk to you about that, sort of it started playing on your mind a bit. And uh, anyway, I got the I got the call from Rod McQueen and, you know, in his, in his sort of monotone mono or monosyllabic tone, you know, <laughs> Daiso, Daiso, you know, you've been selected into the uh, end of the Wallabies. And, um, you know, it was, it was just such a real moment it was a whirlwind to be honest I didn't know where I sat you know Glenn Panaho was part of the the, the, um, the squad uh, who also played tight head uh, Richard Harry um, you know th- there was a whole group of these you know great front row forwards and and you know I suppose at 27 I was just a, a dream to be a part of it and, and how did you find that that step up I guess you played the Argies first up it's it's a pretty uh, hefty um, uh, debut yeah, look at the, the, my my debutante or my my debut against the Argentinians um, at Ballymore. Um, I remember, you know, obviously growing up, knowing that um, with the Topo Rodriguez's of the world, etc., knowing that Argentina prided themselves on their scrum, they prided themselves on their forward play, and um, anyone who has ever played tight head prop knows that you can have a very long day or you can have a very good day, as we saw in the the last World Cup, um, the English uh, replacement tight head came on and probably didn't have his best day. So no. those sort of those sort of moments stick out in people's minds. And you know, the morning of the, the Test match, um, you know, I had my my ten wheat bix into me, and and about a, a half an hour after I ate my ten wheat bix, the ten wheat bix came back up again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we went for our team walk, and John Eels sort of as he did, you know, a bit of a, a, a sort of a, a I mean, an inspirational leader, put his arm around me as I was sort of walking through the park and our captain's walk and sort of said, how are you going? And I said, oh, mate, not too good, but, um, you know, I'll be okay sort of thing. So I go, when I when I get very nervous, I just go insular or I um, become quite funny, I suppose. Um, but, but that night running out for my first test, it was just like a collage of my entire rugby career that just flashed before, uh, before my eyes. And um, I think uh, 80 minutes later, it's you know it felt like I was sprinting for the whole 80 minutes. Um, I had a a great experience. Uh, I remember a, a scrum on the on the centre field, um, and uh, Freddie Mendez, who was the Argentinian hooker, and he was basically chiselled from granite, started headbutting me. And um, so I just had a flash of brilliance and did the old ice hockey jersey trick and started just throwing them <laughs> uppercuts at him, which was almost like hitting granite. But um, Daniel Herbert, I think, had scored off that move 
centre field and we got pulled back for a, a penalty, um, number three, uh, getting into number two. And number two was probably laughing his head off at that stage. But I remember uh, Rod McQueen in the change rooms afterwards, you know, uh, speaking to Michael Foley and sort of saying, well, you know, what happened there? And he said, well, the old bloke was giving the young bloke a bit of a toucher. And so Fletch stood up for himself and started throwing them back and I backed him. And so Rod came over and played pretty well tonight. Well done. We'll see you next week, sort of thing. So nice. But that that was that was pretty much the the foray into it. Um, it was a big step for me, really, to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, you never know how good you are until you get thrown into those situations. Well, talk about th- being thrown into situations. So we moved forward about five or six games in that series, and and yeah. I, I guess it's the you know you played the the test from heaven uh, a couple of weeks before you, but a win over South Africa, and now you've got this big one at Wellington. Um, broadly, what are your sort of a couple of what, what's your memory of this game? And I guess it's famous for the Eelsy kick, but but more than that, what's what's your memories from this game? Twenty years later. I think, that, I think some of the greatest memories were the um, the build up to it. Um, if you've ever experienced a test match in New Zealand, they have these things called blackouts, and and we're in Wellington. And uh, one of the things, because you, you sort of go over there a few days beforehand and not get acclimatised, but you get sort of comfortable in the in the in the arena, etc. But um, all the the shop fronts, everyone's wearing black. Um, all the shop fronts are blacked out and it almost sort of lulls you into bringing on a Kiwi accent just to sort of not stick out. And um, I remember that leading into the test match um, uh, and how much, I suppose, the nation got behind their team. And then warming up underneath the stadium was, you know, uh, sort of keeping us away from the, the, the... the crowd, etc. But I remember running out that day in Wellington and and just sort of seeing this sea of black. And um, up in the right-hand corner, if you know Wellington or the Cape Tin, there was this little patch of gold. And uh, running out to 30-odd thousand Kiwis um, in black and booing, etc. It was um, it was quite daunting, to be honest. But um, I had a coach, Dave Brockoff, years ago in the Waratahs. Mm. He, used to, he used to say, you know, enjoy the silence. And I suppose if I'm fast-forwarding um, uh, it from the game, that sea of black and that little touch of gold, when, when Eelsie kicked that ball over and everyone hopped up to walk out of the stadium, there was absolute silence. And everyone who was wearing a black jersey, they were all sitting on gold chairs. So suddenly, <laughs> suddenly this sea of black, the daunting sea of black, became this rush of gold. And, um, Fantastic. I, I know I'm talking about the end of the game to start with, but you know that, that's one of my fondest memories. I think from from that um, that 80 minutes. Yeah, and, and just speaking about that um, end of the game, Flesh, that it went forever. Like, yeah. did it did it feel like that on on the on the pitch? I mean, because when you're watching it, you're going, "Are we still in this? Is this thing still going?" And it just it just kind of went just long enough, didn't it? Yeah, there was two games there that year that um, that. Uh, you know, that sort of went, I, I, I think, beyond the 80 minutes. And, and I'm not here to complain about that. But there was the, the one against um, South Africa, the time one, Jonathan Kaplan just kept on playing the game. And the 80 minutes had been up and they kept on playing the game. And then the well in Wellington, um, Jonathan Kaplan again, um, you know, like 
we were down in our 22, and I remember Bernie, Stephen Larkin, just kicking the ball out. Yes, to touch, yes. To touch, to touch, to touch. And, you know, when, when you're playing and you've played a game at such a pace and you know that there's only seconds left on the clock and this, you know, Stephen Larkin, genius in himself, kept on just kicking the ball, kicking the yes. ball. We won a line out, won a line out. Um, and it just seemed to go on forever. And, and um, you know, it was it was unbelievable uh, that those seconds obviously were minutes, but they felt, yeah, yeah. you know, every tick of the clock was just five minutes in between each tick. Yeah. Well, it must it was, and, and, it was, well, and the thing yeah, I was sorry. going to jump in on then was that, which is crucial to that, and you mentioned it, with the, with the line-out wins. Um, it was in that match, but then also the other Bledisloe match, um, and was there, can you remember, was there a lot of conversation about that, about line-out strategy, or was it just watch the All Blacks fall apart? Did you guys talk oh, about look, it? Look, we had, yeah, we, we had, um, obviously, you, 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 we played them through the Super 12, so we got to understand Norm Maxwell and, and, and a majority of the, the Crusaders sort of moves. Um, but look, we had some fantastic line-out. It, um, Mark Connors was mm. great on his feet. Uh, Matty Cobain. Um, easy, you know, obviously um, the, the son of God himself, he um, he used to float through and, uh, you know, he, he'd jump half a half a centimetre and then the rest of us would have to lift him. But, um, you know, they just, everything just clicked in those lineouts. Everything just clicked. I don't think, um, uh, well, there's Anton Oliver and, and Nor- um, um, Hammett, Mark Hammett were the two hookers, I, I believe. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and Hammett came on in that last little bit. I, I, he just, I mean, he was a fantastic player, but just couldn't hit the mark. And I think, you know, in those tests of, of real pressure, that's, you know, the, the, the true measure of who you are and what you can achieve in those, in those moments. Fletch, can you remember, just sticking with the forwards, the reasoning before, between, and when you knew, because I think originally Buzzard Connors, Mark Connors was named, on the side of the scrum as he was for the previous All Black test. Mm. Um, and then they flicked it around and Kef started um, uh, with Jimmy Williams on the side. Can you remember, I guess, when you guys knew that and the reasoning behind that change? Oh, look, I, I, I think Kef, um, I think Kef muscled his way back in, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know where they could, you know, I think Dave Wilson would have played that um, yep. Stadium Australia. Yeah. Um, and, and look, Jimmy Williams was was is a fantastic uh, was he a was, fantastic yeah. player, but then you've got Toro Kefu, you know, like you've mm. got one of the, the greats, and you know he, he he carved up the year before in the '99 World Cup, um, and I think, you know, with all due respect, I think that number eight spot was Toro, yeah. you know, so yeah, and then it, they had to re, reshuffle everyone around. Yeah, and it was interesting because I mean, what 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 was clear and when we watched the the first test last week was how much ground our forwards make. J- Jimmy Williams was fantastic uh, through yeah. the middle of the All Blacks. And, and indeed, when Kef came on, he was the same. And he actually came on for Wilson in that game. And uh, Wilson was having a blinder, but I think it was just to keep that forward momentum going. But uh, so it was curious to see if that was, uh, you know, the, the strategy there. But I tell you what, the All Blacks had obviously worked on their defence. It was a lot more physical. Well, at least I'm sure it was always physical, those games against the All Blacks. But the aggression in the, in the defence and the pack was was noticeably improved and the, the metres weren't as easy this test. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting watching the, the modern day uh, test and, and those tests. Like I watch my tests 
now and sort of think you're sort of disappointed in the way you went. Right. To the, you know, the James Slippers and the Daniela uh, yeah, yeah. Tupos and things like that. But, but but back in those days, you actually had a job to do. Mm. You weren't there to throw as a tight head prop. You weren't there to, to grub a kick. You weren't there to throw mm. cut out passes. And I, I just think, you know, the physicality that you talk about, there was, we used to like, only like to sort of dominate the breakdown. So you get one or two guys there to dominate the, the, the breakdown and off you go again. So you just had these jobs um, to make sure that you were ticking off. And I think in the modern game, it's the accountability lacks a little bit because there's no one has that job anymore, mm. if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But, um, but, but back in those, back in the 2000s there, um, it, I mean, it, it was quick, you know, like I'm a bit like the Queen Mary I used to be trying to, to trying to stop, you know, I'd take three days to stop. But in, in that scenario, and those, especially those two games, the frenetic pace, you know, I, I really enjoyed it because it was just hit, make your impact, go again. You know, it wasn't. But that, um, that was the, the amazing bit with you, Fletch. I mean, you, this, your first series in the, in the Wallabies, um, you're scrumming up against Carl Hoft and, you know, Case Musi on the other side. You played yeah. the full 80 minutes or the 85 minutes, I guess, as it was. That's That was astounding as a, as a you know, a rock-solid tight head prop. Yeah, look, I am. Um, that's uh, the one year wonder, I call myself. But that year, <laughs> I, I played all all games, started all games. And, yeah. you know, I played I played against some, some fantastic athletes. Robbie Kempson, uh, Oz Durant from yep. South Africa, Carl Hoft, um, uh, Greg Seek, um, you know, some some fantastic loose head props. But Carl Hoft, I would think uh, Hofty would have been uh, the most decorated, apart from Jason, Jason Leonard for, Jason for England. Leonard. But, Tom Smith, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tom Smith from uh, Scotland um, yeah. at Murrayfield there. Yeah. But um, Hofty, you know, it was, he was a great dude too. You know, that whole front row... Um, even the Greg Summerbulls of the world, and um, they're all just great dudes off the paddock. You know, like I remember having a, a wine with Case Muse, and I remember how much of a rock star he was. He just had his white <laughs> tight shirt on, he had his nipple rings in, had a bottle of wine in one hand and, and a glass in the other hand, just walking around the, the player function. You know, like, and he had this like beautiful, beautiful blonde, beautiful wife. You know, like all I, my my wife's beautiful. She's blonde and beautiful, and it seems. Seems that all front rowers seem to have good looking yeah, yeah. lives. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, the backs are too 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 busy looking at themselves in the mirror um, <laughs> while we look while we look after the, the, the good sorts. But you know they're just great dudes. But Carl Hoff, um, you know he was just a real competitor. I remember the first Harker that I faced at Stadium Australia, and I and I'm not ashamed to say that he he looked into my, so uncomfortable. You know he was just looking directly into my soul. And, uh, you know, the, the guy just wanted to eat me. And, uh, you know, coming round to the, the Wellington game then, you know, I sort of prepared myself a little bit that um, two grown-up dudes going to war can actually stare at each other without sort of feeling too uncomfortable. So the second time round, it was, wasn't too bad facing uh, Hofty. Um, funny story, though. Funny story, though, after we won the Bledisloe Cup, I um, was walking down the main... Uh, mall of Wellington. I was a little bit um, uh, joyous, and I started to talk to this young young lady. And um, I was talking to her, and she sort of said, "You're Aussie," and she said, "Oh, did you play today?" And I said, "Oh, yes, I did." 
And then out of the darkness came Hofty, who was his fiance. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to face the Harker again, I think. <laughs> um, he sounds like a good guy. Hugh, who had to sort of drop out of this call, had the question about Norm Maxwell, one of the, I guess, me too, last week's match rewatch and then this. He was a real pest, Norm Maxwell. I'd forgotten about that. And what were your, what's your take on Norm? Herbie had a few things to say about him last week. But, not too bad, yeah, look, but you know, yeah. Look, he pushed normie, it. Um, normie, normie, like, look, if he had, uh, if his brains were dynamite, he wouldn't have enough to blow his nose. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember um, uh, a scrum down on um, down on our sort of line, about fifteen metres in from the, the touch line, and we're packing this scrum, and you know, there's a there's a few dark arts there, and I'd slipped onto Mark Hammett, so my head went from tie head onto the hooker and, and yep. to apply a little bit of pressure onto the oh, hooker. And um, the next minute, he's broken his crutch spine from Hofty and come up with this uppercut. And I've seen it come, and I've actually turned my head out toward Carl Hoft again, so out toward the loose head. Mark Hammett has felt the switch of, of, of I suppose, the, of weight. And when Normie Maxwell cocked the second one and gave it, it actually knocked Mark Hammond out. Oh. <laughs> so, so the scrums come up. The scrums come up. This is when you fired looked, up? Oh, no. This captain's looked at me and I've done the old – and they've all looked at me thinking that I've knocked Mark Hammond out. Oh. And I just pointed and I said, Maxwell just knocked your own hooker out. <laughs> just, just settle down, you know. Like he, he was just a loose unit. It was just a dead set loose unit. Um, but, but there but was one scrum. Player. Yeah, you, there was one scrum early in the second half, and I made a note of this. You came up, fired up, and, and throwing punches. Was that Maxwell related? I couldn't quite see. Oh, look, it probably was. It probably was. They had a lot of the scrums used to do it. The, the loose head um, would uh, split their yeah. their bind from their hooker, and the, and the second row would pierce straight through and start. Straight through, yeah start headbutting you and yeah. um you know like because you caught in in between a couple of rock apes so you were you were, you were prime target and and i don't know whether or not they tried that as a tactic to try and get me off my game or not but yeah. i sort of thrived on that sort of stuff because you know the the more i frustrated people the more that they'd have to then uh go to physical violence so I knew once they started doing that, I had the, not their measure, I shouldn't say that, but I, I knew that I was getting at them. So the more they sort of hit, hit me, the more it sort of fired me up to do more of what I was doing. Yeah. So although, you know, you, you'd, you'd sort of have a little temper tantrum and you'd flick the switch, but I'd sort of learnt from my Argentinian, um, I suppose, outset when maybe the violence bit wasn't the best option. Yeah. And you know you're playing you're playing a Bledisloe Cup, you know, and the last thing you want in a Bledisloe, especially, is a yellow card or a red card. Yeah. yeah. So I sort of I had a bit of self control back then, but um, maybe not for the uh, the Argies. Most like <laughs> no, good stuff. Um, mate, I, I just wanted to ask you, one of the early parts in the game, so Kiwis get the ball, hold the ball, you guys managed to keep them out for four minutes, which you um, didn't do in the first <laughs> test. But then first touch of the ball, you guys get Herbie's through, off to Mortlock and he's under the post. Was there any feelings then? It was like, oh, here we go again, we're off. 
Well, yeah, it's funny. It was a, a direct role reversal from the weekend yeah. uh, before, two weeks before, where the, the ABs just went out to a you know fifteen point or twenty odd point after fifteen. Yeah. We sort of, I mean, we always in in that game at Stadium Australia, we always knew what our game plan was. So one of the things I learned about team sport and also about myself is that you know you might be faced with with a few adversities all the way through, but you've got to remember where the goal is, where what you've all planned to do. And 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 that Wellington game, there was no nothing different. There was nothing different in that game that, that we did the weekend before. I think the AVs may have gone into it a little bit complacent. Home game, they, yep. they were one up. They were, you know, they had one hand on the cup. Uh, and I think we shocked them because we put mm. a couple of quick ones on them. Mm. And then I think Cullen came back with their equaliser through a, I, I don't know if it's my memory, Ronnie Cribb, number eight. The, yeah, uh, chipped it through? Chipped it through, which, you know, number eights are <laughs> sort of be able to do that. But, um, yeah, it, it was a it was an interesting um, sort of even a, a, a psychological battle that we could actually stick it back at them. And, and look, if you go back to that um, Stadium Australia test, I mean, yeah, I mean, who, who could imagine a, a six foot three, hundred and twenty kilo behemoth of a uh, winger, absolutely, uh, tiptoeing down a, a touchline? Yeah. You know, like the, the Jonah Lomu was just a freak of nature and a bloody good bloke as well. But yeah, you know, there was nothing that changed between the two really, and we just sort yeah. of executed what we needed to do. Mate, we, we've got. We'll, we'll wrap it up soon. I appreciate your time, but we've got to finish with. Well, not quite finished. I've got one more after this, but uh, the kick, you know, the, the, the penalty, you get the penalty, Craig Dowd goes down, yeah. I think Mortlock's just been replaced. Um, just talk us through that sort of moment in your head, the team's head. Were you, you know, confident? Yeah, look, it was, um, as we've been discussing, it was on the, I, I don't know if it was the 85th minute or the 95th yeah. minute, but um, <laughs> Dowdy, for some unknown reason, Craig Dowd thought he was doing his country a service and, and the <laughs> ball, he came from, you know, the side. Um, Gregan's side, the, yeah. Yeah, like the Richie McCorgate he came yeah. through and um, just gave away this penalty. And, and like, if, if you ever watch the replay, I'm, I'm sort of in the foreground. I've got the hand up and given a quick fist pump and Ilvy... <laughs> Because Sterling couldn't hit the side of a barn from a footway no. that day, <laughs> and and Eelsie sort of turned around and um, you know he talks about Jeremy Paul doing the old mate. He, he talks about it being so cool and calm, but I think JP was <laughs> jumping up and down saying Mortlock's off, mate. Mortlock's off. <laughs> um, and and Eelsie, the great man, you know, with his high cut Mizuno boots on. And, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, I, I better take the goal then. And um, I just, I just. You know, I see Todd Blackadder even now just sort of walking in little circles trying to put him off. Yeah, yeah. And he's yep. just, just a clinician, you know. He just put this ball, the size 16 boot, just went straight over the black dot. He talks about it not being a perfect kick. Well, I haven't seen a perfect one since, you know. Yeah. It was just yeah. great. And and I tell you, Gents, I have one regret in my rugby career, and if you ever watch the, the tape, the number three, which I was wearing that day, for some unknown reason, and I really don't know why. I came in and I hugged Eelsie around the waist. And, <laughs> and on all the photographs, there's Richard Harry on my back with the hand up, like a pure, perfect, picture-perfect moment. But there's my stumpy little fat legs, my little <laughs> hanging out the back. 
and I say to my kids, that's dad. <laughs> dad. But it was euphoric, you know. It was just something, um, and, and interesting enough, it was sort of pre-9-11 in those days, but my dad was in the, in the crowd, and somehow, I don't know how he did it, but he, he got from all the way up from his seat down into the change room, tapped me on the shoulder, gave him a hug, gave him a drink out of the blood as though, and he oh, took off wow. the Oh, wow. You know, like, wow. you, you try getting through stadium yes. security now <laughs> uh, to do that, you know. But, but they're just real special moments, you know, real special moments. Unbelievable. Um, Fletcher, look, let's, that, that was awesome. Matt, do you have anything about the game? Well, one other quick thing to wrap it up quick. No, this has been brilliant, mate. You, you wrap her up. Yeah, mate. I, I just, Fletcher, you know, we made the point that you, you, you joked that you're the one year Wallaby. Amazing experience that year. You, you literally, you know, so you had two amazing games with New Zealand, another amazing game with South Africa. You win the Bledisloe, you win the Rugby Championship, you, you play in George Smith's, you know, debut test. There's a lot happening that year. Is there any, what's your, is that winning the Bledisloe the standout? Is there anything that really stands out for you with that, that Wallaby year? Um, look, I, look I, I think the whole year was, was yeah. fantastic. You know, I got to, I got to play with some, some great people, you know, Richard Harry, David Wilson, George Grigg, yeah. and, you know, Tim Horan was just one yeah. of the greatest blokes that I ever met through my journey. Um, Chris Latham, you know, it was just that the, the, the cusp between amateur to professional and, and not saying guys play the game for the wrong reasons these days, but the guys that I grew up with in that year, like they were just there because they loved it. You know, they mm. loved it. Um, I think, you know, holding the Bledisloe, having a drink with Richard and Michael, Michael Foley, Richard Harry, Michael Foley, mm. was special with dad down there. Um, yeah. You know, I played in Phil Wars. I coached Phil War at um, Shaw. Uh, I coached him in the under 15s and I'm then right. playing in his the debut, debut that at, year at and Twickenham. At Twickenham. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's just such a special year. I got, I got married in that year too. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, could I put a finger on one thing? Like my no. wife sort of sitting across me, maybe in my wedding. But apart from that, <laughs> it would be closely followed by Bledisloe and a tri-nation. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, Fletch, we're going to let you go back to your obviously gorgeous wife. Um, but thanks so much for your time, mate. We're living some great memories. That was awesome. It was, a, it was an amazing test and just very special for us to get that inside glimpse of it too. My pleasure. Pleasure. I love uh, – it's been a long time, but I love talking about it. Yeah, good, good one. Stuff. Thanks, mate. We'll speak to you soon, mate. See ya. Please. And that was great from Fletch. Thanks again for joining us. Um, Matt, you know, a great little insight there from, from Dyson. Oh, yeah. He's, he was fantastic value, wasn't he? I mean, talk about some of those details. Um, I still can't get over Well, no, I can easily get over the idea that Max <laughs> would knock out his own player. Um, but <laughs> it's just great to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um Look, we want to get in the game, but Hugh, I know last week you were particularly um, insistent that we go back. When we talk pre-game, we really have to talk pre-game, um, and we're specifically around um, Johnny Williams last week and waltzing Matilda. A little bit different this week. Did you – I don't know what you watched. On the YouTube – see, I have the DVD of this. Mm. On the YouTube clip, does it have the pre-match entertainment? I don't believe so, no. I, I, I may have fast-forwarded through that to get straight well, to but I don't think it did. Fred, Matt, what about you? Did no, you no, no, the version I did didn't. No, so tell All me. All right. So the pre-match 
Entertainment was Bardo. Yes, this is the infamous Bardo. So, I was going to so, say, is this the which was that, Bardo anthem? Which was that made up, was it, a, a, I guess, the first dose of reality TV where they brought these models yeah, who couldn't really sing together. Um, with with I think Sophie Monk, yeah, exactly. Sophie was the only yeah. one. So she, they did the pre-match entertainment, but further to that, they sang the Australian national anthem, and then True Bliss, who were the New Zealand version, sang the New Zealand national anthem. Oh wow! Um, and it was quite terrible. I mean, look, this scene was fine, <laughs> but they just it was overproduced and you know, not what you want for a bunch of rugby fans at a game. Oh um, my gosh. But it was just remarkable. That must have been quite a contrast because the one of the things that stuck out to me was how the teams were actually sat like on chairs just yes. just over just over the sideline. Yeah. Um you know, like, you know, in that bit, because it was like a, obviously like a cricket pitch or something like, you know, it was like a, like an oval. And so there was that space between the sideline and the, and the, and the grandstand. And like, yeah, you just see all like all the reserves just sat in chairs, uh, you know, along, along that sort of space. So that versus that sort of entertainment must have been exactly. quite a contrast. It was incredible. Um, so, so let's do get to the game. The other bit of insight, I guess I had pre-game, because I, I actually sat through, it had the whole half hour of lead up and it had um, John Drake just giving it to the Aussies saying we're a no chance. Um, Jonah Loma was going to stamp, you know, stampede Sterling Mortlock and, you know, the All Black backs were too good and the Aussies were no chance. And actually Nick Farr-Jones was a, a, a guest panellist there and he was very much the voice of reason. And in that very polite manner that Nick has was um, asking the questions as whether they thought the forwards were good enough um, to, to the, the All Black forwards were good enough to um, contain the Wallaby pack and actually get some mm-hmm. ball, which was an interesting perception at the time. Um, but um, the... So we get into the game, and I guess you know immediately, Matt. It's it, it's pretty evident. It's not as it's not as it's going to go the same way as Sydney, at least when the All Blacks set the ball. Yeah, well, it's the bit that <laughs> the version I saw actually kind of scrolls through uh, the first the first few minutes um, with the All Blacks, but the bit that actually just absolutely stands out, right, is Australia's very first position uh, possession, yeah, and you get this. And it's a bit of a pity, actually, we didn't get Herbie to comment on this because mm. he's involved in this. Um, where, and but this is one of the things that stands out so much, actually, when you watch this game, is how much lateral movement um, uh, that you know that uh, at, uh, that our ten does kind of yeah, Larkham, yep, yep. Larkham, Larkham does kind of running across the line, and but he he does it quite often to kind of then do you know to pop to somebody mm. and then do kind of, but he usually gets the ball back and then ships it wider. We're on this one. Um, Herbie just holds on to it um, and, uh, you know, kind of ships a little dummy and he's through, um, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. And then it goes to Mortlock, who um, sp- sprints underneath the posts. Only just got there, but it was also through that gap that Benny Darwin put you on. It was that same gap sort of in between the in the halves that um, – True. You know, that Darwin picked up as a cohesion factor getting through. So it was immediate, uh, an immediate impact straight again. Yeah. No, they'd obviously done their homework on this one. It was it was very, very clinical. Um, and it's, it's interesting, Hugh. I mean, I guess let's just talk broadly about that first half. It was it was it obviously wasn't as fast-paced as the Sydney test, but it was still four tries. There's still a bit in it. I guess the Wallabies that's getting the first two tries – put it on a, a different spectrum and, and actually Dyson talked about that in, in saying that he thought the All Blacks might have come in a little bit complacent 
you know, hosting the Bledisloe and already ha- effectively having one hand on it. Um, what was your sort of read on that first half as a whole? It, it was an interesting, yeah, you, you're right. I mean, it was a continuation of that, of the game in Sydney in many ways, wasn't it? It it, it had those swings where both sides would, would take turns playing, frankly, scintillating rugby. I think the second half was, was a different story, but the yeah. first half of this game, especially... You know, Australia go out, score those two quick tries, and then New Zealand come back and 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 score two, you know, really good tries of their own. I mean, obviously that, um, I think it's Lomu ends up scoring the 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 elaborate backline move try, um, and and also scores the um, and Christian Cullen scores that try. Oh, Cullen off, scores off, them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Cullen, oh, yeah. Cullen scores the first one. Sorry, um, yeah. but Cullen and the and the the try that he scored off Ron Cribbs' uh, grubber yep. kick. That was an amazing try as well, um, and yep. and it, it just tended to flow in such a way that again I I said this about the last game and I'll say it about this one too is is that you know you think you 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 think they've played twenty five minutes of rugby and you look up and there's only nine minutes played, you know mm. it's just so frenetic it's back and forth and I've got to say it's <laughs> young Jonathan Kaplan um, so yes. keeping the game going um, which you know again it's that that pace of of, of the game. The, the hurrying up the players, the the quick scrums, the quick line outs, it's that, you know, no fuss. It just keeps going and going and going. And, and, and here's uh, the thing. So did, did you walk on that point then, Hugh, about the refereeing, did you walk away feeling that, I don't know, that you'd watched less of a game because we had, we didn't get the TMO involved and we didn't get, I don't know, every, <laughs> every, every review gone over five times? Mm. I did. I didn't feel in any way shortchanged in terms of quality of refereeing or, or whatever. And it it just yeah, there was calls where you went mm, really, but you just kind of you just kind of went on with it. And I yeah, I just, I just can't feel that where we've got to is in any way enhanced the the viewing experience. Well, I I think there's a couple of points on that. I think that the point about pace of play is really um, important because you didn't have time to even even reflect on the decision. It was just no. balls in touch and the players were running to the line out. And, okay, you might have got one replay um, of, ooh, you know, of the, of the player diving in or whatever it was. And the, generally speaking, even the New Zealand commentators tended to, tended to go, oh, yeah, I reckon that's fair enough. Like even Mexted, you know, he, he, had, he picked his moments to, to disagree, but it was nothing like what you get these days with the forensic, breakdown of, of refereeing decisions but that's partly because the players are standing around and you've got two minutes to play 16 different replays from 15 different angles yeah. so i i agree with you it, it felt better but that you've got to have that pace of play to have it because um yeah otherwise you you're um well you're well, my, standing around with nothing to do well my 15 year old son came and sat down and watched a chunk of it and went god this is faster like, yeah, really? oh, yeah, absolutely noticed it. He just went, "Wow, they don't stop, do they?" Like yeah, it was, right. it was, it's really, really noticeable. I think um, it's amazing what we've got used to. But you know what? It, yeah, yeah it's it, it's even things like like when substitutions when substitutes come on, the game doesn't really stop yes. for some reason. You know, and yes. now when oh, they they break break for a line and someone's jogs ninety meters onto the field and slowly, and you all clap them off or whatever. That that was just oh, you're like oh. Oh, uh, Mark Connors is on. Oh, they wanted didn't see him come on. Yes, um, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it was indeed like and it, it, nothing more than the scrums just uh, could highlight yeah. 
the, the pace of the game where they just kind of literally there's none of this jockeying around and da 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 it just up it goes and it's off and you know um, unless the thing completely falls over they just keep going it's just and complete. and what it meant was that you know the the other effect of that was in the last ten minutes both sides are buggered. You know, they yeah. are out yeah. on, and, and that explains some of the very strange decision making that was from both sides because, you know, they'd been they'd been going hell for leather for for, for a solid, you know, the, I mean, it's it's a ball in play time roughly now is what, 30 to 35 minutes. I reckon the ball was in play for 40 to 45 minutes there at least. Um, yeah. It felt like it anyway. Yeah, look, but I'll inject, I'll interject something here, which is I've got written in my notes in capitals, and I'll preface this by saying, this same player makes uh, a bunch of fantastic plays that without him, um, you don't know, you don't know we would have won this game. But what I've got in written in caps locks here is how is Mortlock a goal kicker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just like listening to Murray Mexted brought back flashes of huge amounts of um, emotional energy. So did watching Mortlock miss a few sitters with absolutely horrific shanks, um, <laughs> you know, in some of the most, you know, uh, important situations. And like is, Fletcher said himself there, right? Like there was literally yeah, a, mini, yeah. a, mini, a mini celebration amongst the, the team when they realised that Mortlock was off the field for the five <laughs> kick. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's at least, yeah, it's not me on my own. Because I just, I never got that. Like, I'm sure somebody, I had a squiz around, I couldn't find it. If anyone's out there has got what Sterling's um, goal kicking record was by the end of his career, but it it couldn't have been good. I just thought, I just, it, this wasn't the only game where I thought, oh my God, please don't give him the ball. Yeah, he, yeah. I'm sure he, I'm sure he improved. I mean, there must have been a patch in the middle where he was okay, but, but we I think obviously right. had terrible here. Elton Flatley came in at a certain point yeah, in the I next guess so. the couple of years 2002 there. or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Morty does score the winning penalty in the next game in Durban to win the rugby championship. So uh, an easier kick. But he had to do the same then. But, yeah, I think you're a very good point. I thought you were going to mention Latho. Uh, you talked about Latho. Uh, we all talked about Latho last week. I thought he was much improved this week. It was uh, a lot more effective. And, and his um, big booming kicks for the sideline were, were pretty critical for us as too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, that that's another note I've got, which is that seventy-five minute mark. We're actually I've got that. A... I've got that. Can I read you my note? Yeah, go. Latho's <laughs> clearance in the seventy-fifth minute—a huge play. Oh, totally. Uh, it's it, he's on the touchline and somehow chews off fifty meters. Oh, yeah. at least yeah. And and that's the thing I wrote down, which was you suddenly realise. Um, yeah, I wrote down yeah, sixty meter clearance. It gets bigger. Sixty meter clearance by Latho <laughs> on on no angle. Then you get Wilson with a turnover. And yep. that's the thing I think, actually, when you think about the makeup of our team at the moment, we don't have anyone who can do a 60-metre clearance. No. And then we don't have, and we haven't had for a couple of years now, a hard jackler um, mm. that, that can kind of, you know, find you that, that turnover. And you just think, well, you know, that one little play, you know, even though Mortlock then misses it, <laughs> I guess that's the <laughs> other thing we're missing, um, then Mortlock misses it. But, you know, that's the thing that you kind of go, oh, that's a game, you know, that could have been a game-winning play. Um, to get yourself out of your territory and then snaffle a chance at three points, which instead we'd be kind of doing, you know, under checker, we would have been doing 30 phases just outside our 22. Well, it's funny yeah. though, the, the point on the jackler is, is, is brings up something that Fletcher commented on, which is though in, in those days, you forwards, you, you had very clearly defined roles. You know, you played these parts and Wilson was the jackler. And these mm. days you're right. I mean, since, 
David Pocock's retired. We don't have the genuine Jackler, but it's sort of these days everyone does everything. You know, your, exactly. your Taniella Tupos and your Alan Alatoas get uh, as many turnovers in many cases as your seven. There's still a place for the seven, but it, it, yeah, it's not, you know, Wilson was our only Jackler. Really, there was not, no one else really going hard at the ball in those breakdown situations or, or in, in the most cases. Mm. Although I must remember there was a, there was a very um, important, I think it was straight after that set-piece trial, which I want to come back to, where um, Matt's uh, mate, John Eel, snags a, a crucial penalty. I think it's actually Wilson makes a tackle um, and, and Eels, he gets down from six foot ten or whatever he is mm. over the ball and, and snags the penalty at a pretty crucial moment. Um, yeah. But you're right, I think it was pretty much the domain. That was the open side's role was to, to get that, that turnover ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, but I just wanted to touch on those All Blacks tries, and 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 you know we talked about the Herbie one, but they are so such All Black tries. You know the the super skillful back row putting a kick through for Cullen, or you know the speedy outside back is is such an All Black try. Just that their forwards are skillful as backs, but mm. then that 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 set piece try was magical. But with the only point being that the pass from Marshall to start it was terrible. Murdens had to go backwards to get it um and somehow rectified it you know because that, that's a move that requires that all the time you can get and and spot on passes but the first pass from marshall was horrendous but what a mind-blowing piece of play yeah look I, i'm afraid I, I'm, I couldn't make myself watch it too much i just it, it just <laughs> it, it it stuck me too much i had that still have that emotional scarring um i think i can remember my mate sam going crazy in his front room yeah. as, as we were watching it back in the day um yeah it was just too good and especially when we had such a great team to get done by a move with that but it just worked to complete clockwork it was like one of those moves do they run that in another is there another match they run this 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 move in i just i'm trying to remember but it I can't it, remember. it almost feels like it's you know is it almost on if you get it right is it stoppable is is the kind of yeah. thing you know well, and, well I think the thing that arrests on, though, I mean, it, for, for something that's elaborate and a lot of smoke and mirrors, basically all it, all it rests on is is them pinning Jason Little um, and sort of basically wrong-footing him, thinking it's going one way, and then Umanga cuts back the other way. And Little almost got there. So I think the, the thing that makes it is Umanga times his run so well, um, and that would be very, very difficult to do considering all of the components of the move and how you would have to to be hitting top speed at that certain point at a certain time would be really, really difficult because if he's slightly off, then I think Little makes the tackle and the whole thing looks silly mm. um, if he's not at top speed right at that moment. Um, but as it happens, it wasn't. It was enough to break Little's tackle um, and, and that was all she wrote. But, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of work to go through to essentially just line up a one-on-one and wrong foot <laughs> one player. But mm. still, look nice. But uh, yeah, it did, and I guess that's the thing with those all black black back lines is that there is so much brilliant. I mean, and you think of that defensive, you know, thinking that the, the Aussies have to do. There is so much attacking weaponry there, and you're looking for Cullen, you're looking for Jonah, um, and then you got Young Tana, who's sort of really just making his way. Um, let alone Alatini and Iramia. Who do you target there? It was, I guess you're right. That's just, just it's just creating that level of doubt whereby the opportunity is for one of them to go through. Um, Tana was fantastic this day. So I thought he was a, he was a, a really showed his his class for someone who was still pretty young. Yeah, I mean, the, all four of those tries in that first half are all absolute yeah. crackers. There's, there was a piece of brilliance in each one of them. Um, sometimes yeah. over, sometimes understated. Um, the, that crib grub, grub, grubber, which by memory, yeah. 
I think I think obviously they had the ball, but it was like you know two on four, um, mm. and he somehow threads it you know through the centres mm. in front of the fullback yeah. behind the winger, and Cullen doesn't have to stop. It's the most mm. incredible kick, um, yeah. To put to put him in the corner, I'm sure there's a, yeah, you know, I'm sure there's something we've done an error probably in our alignment in the defence there. But for him to look up and just go, okay, there's nothing on here, but I tell you what, I reckon I can put Cullen. I mean, Ron Cribb always stopped, uh, struck me as a, a back and a forwards body. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he just, he just happened to be a big bloke who had all the skills um, and mm. and an amazing pace too, if I remember rightly. Um, mm. But then it, going back to the Aussie, so obviously we talked about the dummy in that wraparound uh, by Herbert, which was beautiful. Um, but then the other um, try, the other Aussie try in that first half where Eels steals a line out like Fletch was talking about, just kind of floats up and suddenly has the ball. Um, but there's that there's a, there's a few couple of phases of play and then there's this little bit, and I'm pretty sure it's Larkham, who just takes the ball to the line and sort of pumps a pass just to bring up the the Kiwi backline so that they they've basically overcommitted, um, yep. and then there's just a couple of quick hands um, and Roth um, kind of a nice little shimmy in there through. But it was that little pumping just to draw them a little bit closer so that you know, assuming pass goes to hand, they've kind of got no chance. Again, like a understated skill, but it created a try that otherwise didn't need to be there. Yep, yep, fantastic. Um, uh, some key moments towards the end. So we're getting close. So there's four tries in that first half. Um, some, you know, it really starts to build a bit of intensity towards the end. I thought there was a key moment. Before I say that, restart drama. There's still restart held by the, the Aussies. They just they weren't yeah. they weren't on top of it. You know, it was not a precise delivery for something that was the world champions. They were still stuffing things up there. But a couple of key moments: the, the Todd Blackadder shoving George Gregan and, and getting March ten. Can you yeah. remember that one? So mm. I, I, was, I kept trying to replay that to see because Gregan's not innocent in that. <laughs> You'd love to know what was going on, but I just couldn't yeah. quite pick it up. Yeah, no, he's, he's. I think he's he's come out with a classic sledge, and yeah, Blackadder has me to hold on. Because to then Gregan got in later in the game. There was also another stash where in classic again. It seems like. Another era of refereeing where it was what Ed Morrison was the touchy and came on and said yeah. it was Georgie Gregan, give him a right bollocking. <laughs> uh, I think was his sort of uh, terminology. Um, and um, he was a bit Scottish then, I seem to recall. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, or yeah. Irish, I'm not sure, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, it was a, yeah, the audio wasn't great. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was um, he, because he was in the thick of everything, Gregan, wasn't he? Ah, oh, yeah. He was, yeah. And I kick myself thinking, how did I forget what a great player he was? I know we talked about this last week. Just he was just so fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Oh, incredible. But but the other thing about that first half, especially, is is I've got written in one of my notes is Norm Maxwell penalty machine. Um, <laughs> Horrendous. And I know Fletcher Tyson touched on him, but like, I mean, it is. I just want to you know pause to consider one of the true characters of rugby around that time as as a type of character. Is, is the genuine grub, and I'm missing them in, in the modern <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't have those genuine grubs. I mean, maybe it was Tom Carter the last of the genuine grubs. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Tolu Latu um, was shaping that way at a time, to be honest, and, and you know, he the, the pats on the head um, after mistakes, and he was yeah. shaping that way. Nick Phipps had a bit in him, you know, I think. Yeah, uh, Just in times. terms of those players that, you know, people love to hate and, and, and not just for – 
you know, because they were very good or, or something yeah, else exactly. about them. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Norm Maxwell just had that quality about him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. One of my other notes that first half, and you sort of mentioned him in getting isolated in that try, was Jason Little. And the thing that stood out from with Little was uh, my memories of Little will always be those early years when he's outside centre with uh, outside Horan and, and, you know, was almost that sublime athlete. Horan was just the piece of brilliance, but a little nugget and he could get the ball away. And Little was just an athlete and he ran with great balance and he was sublime and live and, you know, uh, you know, he's a 400 meter on a hurdle and you could just see all that. Whereas now he's sort of chucked into 12. And I know there's sort of those photos of that 99 era where he bulked up substantially. He played such a tough game, you know, just a really aggressive little game. He was like Nathan Gray with skill. Um, and it, it just surprised me how aggressive he was in this game. And it just probably highlights what a quality player he was that he could adapt his game so significantly from, um, you know, the, almost the, the free throw, a, a, a free flower to a more tight. It's not something you'd see a Gus got do or something like that, but um, he was, uh, he, I thought he was really, really bloody good. Yeah. But I mean, like uh, just skipping back to that you know, back end of, um, of the of the game then yeah and, and, yep. and actually just while you're on little because he's wearing I think he's wearing a headgear in most of yeah. this game he, he yep. just he looks like a schoolboy like <laughs> he, you see this guy this, this schoolboy rugby player running around the whole time um, but just going back to the to that back end then when it all got a bit frenetic like you were saying Reg um, and they seem to spend that good the Kiwi spend like a good I don't know what it is ten minutes like they just keep coming back down to our twenty two um, and come really close I mean someone's over the line at one stage and. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But just, and I haven't been able to find these stats, but the amount of defence that Bernie Lark- uh, Larkham oh, did, yeah. incredible. He was in yeah. everything. He was tackling everyone. I mean, just, no wonder he had, he was mostly held to, you know, together yeah. by tape towards the back end of his career because he just, he was everywhere in that and making big hits as well. That was, it was really impressive. He never shirked. He, oh, I said it last week. He's the most aggressive 10 I've seen. And this just sort of reminded me. He's fantastic. So what was it? It was 2018 to the All Blacks at half time. They, you know, a couple of exchange of penalties. And when you consider there's four tries in the half um, and the end result was 24-23, you know, it's, it's, there's not much happening in that second half. And it was a different second half. Interesting you talk about how tight it was and how buggered they were at the end. You said that earlier. We only used the three replacements and they were all quite early. Paul came on for... Foley, I think, after about 25 minutes. Connor's at halftime and tuned for Roth at halftime. So, you know, we had a lot of minutes played there um, in that minute. A tuny coming on and, and getting smashed three oh. times. Three huge hits. <laughs> well, he gets absolutely wiped by, by Logan, doesn't he? With yeah, his yeah. First touch. But do you notice he gets – he's gets in the next tackle. And, and, yeah. yeah, and, and hits and creates the turnover. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the um, so, yeah. Let's get to that last five minutes because really yeah, okay. the yep. second half didn't 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 really ha- do much. Um, la- I, and I don't think even the last sort of break. three. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steve Larkham must have known there was time on the clock when yep. he kicked off that scrum. Surely, uh, must have because I, I this was a flashback to watching the game because I remember abusing him at the time. Why are you kicking? And it yeah. was the exact same time he was like, "Why are you kicking?" Like it's yeah. two and a half minutes after eighty minutes, but it must clearly, have been yeah. much because clearly yeah. when they come up to the lineout, Kaplan's communicating that basically this is the last play. Everyone yeah. knew it was the last play at that point. So geez, he he, he must have only snuck that kick in. It was, I mean, it turns out it was a it was a stroke of genius because 
at that point, the All Black lineout was a schmozzle. Absolutely. And, and you know, that was, that's your plan. We're going to put it deep and we're going to win the lineout and we're going to either score a try or, or force a penalty and kick it. Mm. But, but okay, so my, my, my question here is, uh, and, and I know we've got to wrap up soon, but did the All Blacks win the Bledisloe Cup quite easily with a functional lineout? Because in the first game and the yeah. second game, it was appalling. Yeah, there yeah. was in those last two lineouts where Mark Hammett comes on, who I, I'm pretty sure gives away the the penalty in the end as well. Um, uh, it was Craig Dowd, in fact. Yeah. Oh, it was Dowd. I couldn't work out if yeah, it was 22 yeah, yeah. Or, or 21. Um, yeah. But um, but you're right. You know, those last two lineouts were, were nobody knew what was nobody jumped. They just stood there. Yeah. Horrendous, and, and again, you, you mentioned last week. Mark Connors stole that last one. I think Giffen stole the one before, but just crucial at that time. So the impact at that bench was sensational. Um, and, and then the kick, you know. And, and well, I, when the, I, before before the kick, can I also point out um, if you said it's Craig Dart? Okay, one of the all-time brainless penalties. Yeah. Because you look at it, he comes in from the side, he goes yeah. off his feet, and he tries to 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 palm the ball back. I yeah. mean. If if, yeah. if it was these days, you'd suspect match fixing. Like it was so <laughs> so stupid. You know, like I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, Maybe was he not. didn't realise Mortlock was off the field. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's yeah. right. If, if it was, yeah, Richie would have given it away deliberately, seeing Mortlock yeah. there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing, and I guess Fletcher touched on it. So up steps Eels, does his kind of like whatever it is, like three step up, and just kind of <laughs> waves his leg through it. Over it goes, and all he does is just raise his arms. Yes. It's, it's like yes. like like half-assed. It's, but it's I not, also it, remember, yeah, go they, they looked taller than the goalposts. I remember that angle <laughs> of the shot. It was like, look at the size of the man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was incredible. And we were just saying, like having played eighty-five minutes in the second row and yeah. jumped in every line out, he then steps up and just goes hoofed over it. Yeah. goes. incredible. Yeah. Um, they and, and and more than that, and it blew me away. Again, you probably didn't see it on the YouTube, but on the version I had, it had the post-match interviews. He, he was amazing. You know, he, his humbleness, his um, just composed nature, and he was. There was no glory in the win. It was oh god, we worked really hard. We got pretty lucky. How good are the All Blacks? The fans are fantastic, and it was genuine. Though it was none of this cliche stuff. It, it, it was. It was just. It was quite mind blowing to remember how. What a classy, uh, classy performer he was on the field as well as off. Bloody and know. ultimately, yeah, it's it's the defi- it's the defining moment of his career. That that yeah. kick, I'd I'd say. Yeah, it's where it's where Michael Checker got his uh, his his press. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his press smarts from. Anyway, yeah. it was a match. It was, lads. That was awesome. Thanks for um, for joining us for that one. Look, I don't think we've really decided what's next, have we? Um, Guys, no. I, maybe we'll have a chat offline about that. But if anyone's got any recommendations of a um, a classic Wallaby win, I think we'll stick with the Wallabies for the time being. There's been plenty of them. Preferably with a YouTube link would be great of the game. Um, you know, we, we want to do the rewatch ourselves. We'd encourage you to do the same. But send it through to us uh, on the blog or Twitter or Facebook or something like that. Um, otherwise, we'll have a chat ourselves and work something out. But uh, Hugh and Matt, thanks for that. That was a, another great stroll down memory lane. Good one. Yeah, yeah thanks, this. guys. That was fun. Thanks to Fletcher for joining us and uh, to Nick in the booth for putting it all together and we'll catch you all next week. Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes! 
Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de beer. Hello. Hey, there we are again. Beautiful. Uh, Matt, you there? That's your fault, Reg. Yeah, yeah, I apologise again, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs>